0: Amen. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter chapter number 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. And as you're turning there, we're not going to read it just yet. Um, I just want to give you a brief um, review uh, of what we've already covered very quickly. We have been going through the major Bible doctrines. Uh, we actually started this series uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, we have talked about. The importance of learning doctrine, we have uh, talked about Bibliology, we've talked about Theology, Christology, Pneumontology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we talked about the doctrine of man, the doctrine of sin, and now we're in uh, probably, well, it's hard to say a favorite, because Christology, I really enjoyed that one. Bibliology, I enjoyed that one too. I enjoy them all. I didn't really enjoy the one on sin, though. Uh, that's not my favorite, uh, but I, I, I do love salvation, and, and we're taking a little extra time going through it. And uh, we've already looked at in this. We've talked about the problem of salvation, the fact that God is holy, and uh, we we which which is not a problem, but when it comes to us getting to heaven, it is a huge problem. It's a major barrier because He is holy and He uh, cannot look upon sin, and so as a result, we're in big trouble because we have a lot of sin. Uh, We are sinners, that's our condition. So, we looked at the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, and then we looked at the penalty for sin, the fact that because of our sin, we're on our way to a place called hell. It's what we all deserve, each and every one of us. Even if you're not that bad of a sinner, or you're a better person than me, which probably most of you are, all of you probably are, but at the same time, you have one sin, and you are guilty of the whole law, and as a result, uh, all of us deserve to pay the price for our sin in a place called hell, and ultimately in the lake of fire. All right. So we looked at the problem of salvation, we looked at the provision of salvation. The fact is, uh, even though there was these problems, to God be the glory, He made a way for us to be saved. And He made a way for us through the cross. The way of the cross leads home, right? And uh, I'm thankful that He was willing to go to the cross for us to provide a way of salvation, to remove that barrier of sin. And uh, we looked at that a little bit on Sunday morning, and I put that partition here. And because of what Christ did on the cross, He removed that barrier. And now we have access to God, and and we can have salvation. So the provision of salvation. We talked uh, thirdly about the price of salvation. And uh, we talked about the fact that that it was expensive. It was exclusive. It was the only payment that could be made. You know, again, if you, uh, you know, you go to a restaurant, you ordered a nice meal. And at the end, the cashier um, brings you or the waiter brings you the check and says, uh, here's the check. And you're like, "Okay, well, I think I have. um, Let's see. What do I have? I have a couple pieces of gum. Will that work? Uh, No, it won't work you need to pay money for what that was, okay? So there's only one uh, type of payment that could be made for dinner, and there was only one type of payment that could be made for our salvation, and it was the blood of Christ. It had to be a pure, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, and Jesus was that. So it was exclusive, and to God be the glory, it was enough. It was enough to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. They're all... Under the blood, they've all been washed away. And uh, But not only was it enough for me, it was enough for you to be saved too. It's also enough for your neighbor to be saved, your co-worker to be saved, your family members, your enemies. Uh, it's enough. Uh, the blood of Christ was enough to forgive us of all of our sin. All right, then we talked about the process of salvation. What happens in salvation? Well, that moment as we look back to the past that moment of our salvation, we were saved from the penalty of sin. No longer, that—that uh, that was the day that our our eternal address went from hell to heaven. And then we looked at what's happening right now in our salvation. We are being saved. We are saved from the power of sin. No longer do we have to obey sin. We are no longer the servants of sin. We're we're dead to sin. And we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin. We're to uh, just believe that, hey, I don't, I don't have to sin anymore. Those things that I used to do, I don't have to do them anymore. And, and hopefully we're not doing those things anymore. Uh, we don't have to be in bondage of that. We've been set free. And so that's the, that's the present. Then what about the future? What will we we'll be saved from the presence of sin? No longer will there ever be another temptation one day, and I'm looking forward to that day. And there'll be no more sin. It'll be a great day. That's the process of salvation. Then the last couple times we looked at the prerequisites for salvation. What is necessary for us to be saved? How does someone get saved? Well, we talked about repentance and the importance that uh, of that, the fact that Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. Paul taught it. Paul preached it. Peter taught it. Um, and it's mentioned sixty times in the New Testament, so it's definitely something that we don't want to just, uh, you know, nah, it's not that important. Uh, it's very important, repentance, and we see examples of that throughout the New Testament of people coming to Christ and their lives are changed. And so I, I do wonder about those who say, oh yeah, well, I was saved when I was. You know, a teenager or whatever, but then they go on and live for themselves and they go on and live. Now, is it possible uh, that they are saved? Yes. But, um, you know, I I believe that in Christ we become a new creature and we now have new desires, a a new heart, a new direction in life. So repentance. And then uh, secondly, we mentioned faith is necessary for salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. All right. And then uh, we ended last time with a little discussion on uh, the hot topic button topic of election of God versus free will of man. And uh, does the Bible teach the election of God, or does does the Bible teach the free will of man? The answer is yes, it teaches both. and uh, it, and one when, when, uh, theologian put it, you know, I hold on to the election and sovereignty of God, and then I also hold with the other hand um, onto the free will of man and my responsibility to choose. And we find out that it's two ends of the same rope. See, that's that's the truth here. I, I do believe that God does know, but He also gives us a choice. And if He only knew, and we didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, then we're all robots, and God is not that big. But see, when, when God allows us also to choose as well as knowing, that's, that God is big. And again, if we could totally wrap our mind around God, He would cease to be God. Um, so we looked at that a little bit last, last time, and then I told you what the point was, but we didn't get into any of the meat of it. Uh, but number six, or number one on the outline tonight, is the promises of salvation what are the promises that God gives those who are saved to those who have believed on Christ what are some of the promises well okay your Bible is open to 2nd Peter 1 uh, let's go ahead and just read these first four verses together and uh, we're gonna use this as a launching pad and then we're gonna actually go over to Ephesians in just a minute so uh, get ready to turn over there but I want you to see the wording of this 2 Peter 1:1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's talking to believers. He's talking to you and I if you're a Christian here tonight. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, according as His divine power hath given unto us all, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called you are called us to glory and virtue and then here's verse 4 whereby are given unto us okay god is given unto us those who who are believers who are christians whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's given us these promises, but these aren't just any old run-of-the-mill, ordinary, everyday promises. These are exceeding great promises. These are precious promises. And uh, what are some of the promises uh, that God has given to those of us who are in Christ? I want to share a couple of them with you um, tonight. There's, this is not at all going to be a conclusive list whatsoever, uh, but I just want to highlight a couple of them uh, that maybe will whet your appetite to research and look, look in the Word of God for more. So, the two that we're going to look at tonight well, the first one is the fact is, when we get saved, God gives us a new status, our new status. So, first of all, our new status. Okay, so um, I was thinking about this, you know, to help us understand. Um, you know, when, when, when somebody in, in the modern day, um, has a big life change, like maybe they get a new job, maybe they're moving across the country, maybe they got engaged to be married, maybe they found out they're having a child, uh, maybe that child was born and they go on social media and they update their status, And they post something, letting everybody know what their new status is, okay? Uh, When we moved here, um, we were kind of waiting till it kind of became pretty official. and, and uh, And then we put it out there for our friends and family to know what was going on in our lives. And so that became our new status, okay? But the moment that we got saved, there was a new status that wasn't necessarily put on Facebook. Some of us got saved before Facebook was even a thing. Okay? But our status was changed according to not Facebook, but to God's book. And so we're going to look at what God's book says about who we are in Christ. The moment that we got saved, all of these things became true. And you say, well, I didn't feel any of these things. That doesn't matter. It's still true according to God's book. Okay? It may not be true according to Facebook, but it's true according to God's book. All right? So let's go ahead and turn now to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. And we're going to do just a quick little survey of the book of Ephesians um, in 25 minutes. Good luck with that. Um, But Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, and two and three really are the the, the chapters we're going to do a quick survey, and I'm I'm not going to read all of these uh, like verses, the entire chapters, but we are going to pick some verses out of these, and I can assure you, they are taken not out of context. I'm going to that they're all describing who we are in Christ. Okay, so Ephesians chapter one. Let's pick it up in verse number one. It's a very good place to start, right? Ephesians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the, what's the next word? Saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So, the moment we got saved is the same moment that we became a saint. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't see no halos around anybody in here today. Um, And, uh, I'm not really all that perfect. Are you really sure that I became a saint? And most of us kind of have this idea of, well, he ain't no saint. And that, that, that gives the idea of like, well, they're not, they, they don't really do really good. You know, they're, they're kind of involved in some things that are a little less than godly, okay? Well, here it's not a matter of what we do or don't do. It's a matter of who we are or who we are not. Okay, so as a believer, God looks at us as a saint. And again, it's not, it's not to say that you're going to be perfect, you're never going to sin, but He looks at you as a saint. And I can't, help, I, I can't not mention this. Um, Derek Carr, who was uh, a Las Vegas Raider, for, he was a Raider for nine years and then just, just became a free agent and uh, signed with the New Orleans Saints. And so he is a believer. I I, I believe Derek Carr is a Christian. He's a brother in Christ. And uh, so he's actually on a more fitting team uh, as a believer. He is on the New Orleans Saints. And uh, he actually looks good in those colors. He still gets to wear black, which I'm thankful for. Um, But anyway, you and I, uh, the moment we became a Christian, we believed on Christ, is the same moment that we became a saint. See, I don't feel like a saint. Too bad. If you're a believer, you're a saint. That's how God looks at you. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. Now, there's really only two classes of... Uh, I think it was Jay Vernon McGee who said there's two classes of individuals, uh, people. You're either a saint or you're an ain't. Okay, so which one are you? Okay, so if you ain't a saint, you, you need to get with the program and believe on Christ and become a Christian so that you can become a saint. All right, we are... Saints, And so the same moment that we became a Christian is the same moment that we became a saint. Okay, Uh, number three, or, or verse number three, let's look at verse number three. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So as a believer, not only are we saints, we're also blessed. We're blessed. And I think most of us would say that, and uh, most of us have seen the signs um, that you can buy at Hobby Lobby that say blessed, you know, in real cursive, girly writing, Um, you know, blessed, we're so blessed. Okay, it's not just a Hobby Lobby sign. It's, it's, it's Bible. Uh, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So if someone comes to you, you're at the grocery store, you, you know, and they say, Hey, how, how are you? Very biblically correct to say, Oh, I'm blessed. How are you? Um, and I know a lot of people say, Oh, I'm better than I deserve. And that's for sure true. But uh, it's very biblically accurate to say as a believer, oh, I'm blessed, how are you doing? And then they can say, uh, okay, what do you mean by that? And that, that's a little odd of a response. Usually it's like, fine, how are you? You know, Great, what's going on? But when you say blessed, it just, boom. Okay, now let me tell you, let me back up. And I've shared this with our church family before, but when I was working at AT&T um, as a um, as a phone salesman and a, you know, when you go to the store and like get an upgrade on phones, I was doing that back in Montana. And, you know, of course I'm a Christian and, and, and the word blessed is just part of my vocabulary. I just, I just say it. And I always say, you know, I say blessing and have a blessed day and that type of thing. Okay. So then I, I, I was saying this while I was on the clock Okay, not a big deal, you would, you would think. But there was one day in particular when my boss said, Eric, um, can, you, can I borrow you for a minute? Can you pop in my office? And so the assistant manager and the manager were, were there, and they said, hey, we, we, we need to talk to you. Some of your peers have uh, complained to us about the fact that you use language that is very religious on the floor. I said, um, Okay, and they said, so yeah, they, they say you use the word blessing a lot and the word blessed. That, that's very offensive to, to the co-workers there. I'm like, are we really having this conversation? Because they say plenty of words that are extremely offensive to me that I am not comfortable even saying to you right now. And I have never one time complained about it, although I could have. And they're like, oh, well, that's, that's a good point. We may need to look into that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so I got busted that day for saying the word blessed, blessing. And, uh, and I'm glad that God brought me here so that I can say blessed and blessing without any worry of repercussion. Well, then I ended up starting my own uh, graphic design, web design business, as most of you know, and, and in every one, all my emails uh, that I would send out uh, in corresponding and with my clients, I would always say, blessings, Eric Johnson, Pixel Pro Graphic Design. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to use this word now that I own my own business. No one's going to tell me not to use that word. But as believers, no one should tell you never to use this word because this is what we are. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and and I, I love um, in the book of Psalms, I think it's Psalm 68. I'm going to turn there and see see if I got this right. Psalm 68 this this just gives us um, another idea of how blessed we are psalm 68 something something i'm going to just i know the chapter maybe i do maybe i don't oh man i don't see it really quick oh there it is verse 19 blessed be the lord who daily loadeth us with benefits even the god of our salvation so blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. He he daily pours them on us. And say, well, there's days where I don't really feel the blessings. Like there's just trial after trial and tribulation after tribulation. Things don't go seem to go my way. Still, we are blessed. We are blessed. Um, okay. So uh, going back to Ephesians. Um, so we are saints. We are blessed. Next, we are part of God's family. As a believer, you have now become part of God's family. Verse number five, having predestinated us. Okay, so there's that little theological buzzword. um, But again, uh, it's in conjunction with the free will of man. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And uh, there, there may be others in our church that I'm not aware of, but there is, um, there is one man in our church uh, who, uh, just a couple months ago, maybe three or four months ago now, just their adoption uh, was final, and, uh, and then my, my in-laws, too, uh, they adopted Harley. And he is officially a part of the family. I mean, he is just as if he is a son. Uh, a blood son. He has the same rights as a blood son. And, and you and I, in, in Christ, are just as uh, much of part of God's family as, as Christ is. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we have been part of His family. Galatians 4 also refers to this. So your Bible is open to Ephesians 1 if you flip back to Galatians 4 real quick. And uh, let's look at uh, verses 3 through 7 here on this. Okay, even, even so, verse 3 says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. I love this. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but you're a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Friend, isn't that pretty amazing that God would allow an enemy of God like me, a, a wretch like me, a worm as I, to be one of his family members? to take me into his family and to make me an heir and say, hey, you're, not, you're no longer a servant, you're my son. Well, you, you just, you've got a heavenly father now. Why don't you come and, uh, and, and, and come to me as, uh, as you would come to your, your own dad for your needs? So Praise the Lord for the fact that we are part of his family. 1 John 3, 1, Behold, uh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I mean, John was like, it is kind of blows my mind that God would want to call me his son. And, and the amount of love that, wow. And so he was just enthralled with God's love there. We are part of God's family. And, and I'm thankful that as we sung at the very beginning and I pointed out, his child and his, his child, are now his child and forever I am. Uh, I become his child and I will forever be his child. I've got a child in the room today. I've got Seth, who's not quite a child anymore. He turns 19 on Sunday. What happened to time? That went quick. And uh, I, I get, uh, I have a lot of my photos on Google Photos. I know, not very like secure. I know, Big Brother's watching everything. I know that. Uh, but what's cool about it though is I do get. These memory uh, photo memories that pop up, and it's neat. I sent him one uh, from when he was when he turned six. It was thirteen years ago, and and time has gone quick. And I love Seth, and I love all of my children. And for those who have children, you you know what I'm talking about. You you love them, and and there there's gonna be nothing that they can do that you're gonna say I disown you. Uh, I mean, if Seth ever became a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Well, we'd have to talk about it then, okay? Um, because that just that that's crossing the line, Seth. So that's that's the line, okay? No, I I know that there's um, children who have gone a complete different direction in life, anti God, and it is tragic and it is sad, and I don't want to make light of that. But if one of my children ever decided to do that. I would be heartbroken, but I wouldn't say, you're no longer my child. You'll always be my son. You'll always be, always be your dad. You'll always be part of our family. It, it hurts to see you walk that direction, but that's not going to change the relationship. It's going to change the fellowship. And, and as believers, we can change the fellowship with God. If we start walking astray and living for ourselves, then that breaks down that fellowship, but the relationship never changes. We're part of His family, and it's, it's a done deal. And it's a forever deal. Once saved, always saved. Yes, I do believe that, because I, that's what the Bible teaches. So we are part of God's family. Okay, back to, uh, back to Ephesians 1 here. Um, yeah, we're not going to get very far, <laughs> Uh, That's okay. Um, Look at verse number six. I love this one. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the blood. We are accepted in Christ. In other words, this is not performance-based Christianity, where God says, I will accept you so long as you do this, that, and the other. I'll accept you as long as you read your Bible every day and you pray and, you know, you stay away from bad influences and, and and do all these things, then I will accept you. No, 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 no. He accepts us in the beloved. Uh, we, are, we are accepted not because of what we do, but because of what He did. Big difference. We're accepted in Christ. And, uh, you know, I know when I, and you could maybe think back to when you were in junior high and high school, you know, just wanting to find, you know, a place to belong, you know, a group to be a part of, a group of friends that you're, you know, accepted in. And look, the, what we needed in that moment is to realize that we were accepted in Christ. We don't need to seek acceptance from other people. Um, and even adults struggle with this too. Um, but we are accepted in Christ. There's nothing we need to do. And he, there's nothing that's going to make God love you more or less than he already does. So, let's say you say, well, you know what? I ain't coming to church again. God still loves you infinitely. And that's not going to change if you stop coming to church. Now, I don't want you to come to church, or stop coming to church. Okay, (laughs) You know... God wants us to be faithful and giving and our church attendance and all those things. I mean, those are clearly spelled out in the scriptures, but that doesn't make him accept you more or less if you do or don't. Um, so if you think, well, I've got to please God and, and uh, be accepted by God through all my works. Look, we're not saved by works. It makes you think you have to work in order to, you know, make him love you and keep loving you. That, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't, it's not a thing. We're accepted in Christ. All right, let's uh, move on to verse uh, number seven here. In verse seven, we're going to find out that we have been redeemed. Verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And again, we sang about that at the beginning of the a service. We have redemption through His blood. We have been purchased. We have been bought. We've been bought with a price. And again, it was expensive. It was exclusive. And it was enough. And uh, as a result of that, he now, we now belong to Him. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's, not yours. A lot of people, you know, this my body, my choice, um, You know, and and when we, you know, a lot of people with the abortion crowd want to um, push that. And then when we got to the vaccine and all that, then then others kind of twisted it around and say, okay, well, hey, it's my body, my choice. You you keep preaching that to us. Now it's our turn to preach it back to you. Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. no. That doesn't apply here. Uh, Yeah, it does. Anyway, we don't want to get on the vaccine, but uh, the point is, our bodies are not our own as a believer anymore. They've been pur- it's been purchased. It belongs to Christ. And our spirit, our attitude, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Now it belongs to Him. And, and those who are like, well, I just, you know, I, I'm just kind of an angry person. That's how we've always been. You know, I'm German. Us Germans, you know, we have to be angry. We have to be stubborn. No, we don't. No, we don't, because we're in Christ. We've been redeemed, okay? Um, And again, through the blood of Christ, and that's awesome. And then uh, next, we are forgiven in verse number seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So we've all been forgiven. And again, all the sins, the ones that we had committed prior to our salvation and the ones that we would commit after our salvation. All of them are forgiven. They're all under the blood. Now, of course, that's not an excuse to continue in sin, but it is a reality that they're all forgiven. And uh, by the way, they're all forgiven. Do you really think that God brings them back up again, reminds you about them? No, they're all forgiven and, in his mind, forgotten. He says he will remember them no more. And forgetting, when God forgets something, it's not like we forget something, like, oh, I forgot where I put my keys. Uh, By the way, my children are notorious for that. Uh, My boys uh, forget my keys and wallets. And uh, so, anyway, you're welcome. It's not like God goes, oops. I really I forgot what sins they committed. No, he chooses purposely as an act of his will to remember them no more, and so he doesn't bring them up. He doesn't, um, you know, think about them and and dwell upon them and muse on them. Okay, here's a little sermon at okay uh, for us today regarding forgiveness. So, we're all thankful for the fact that God's forgiven us of all of our sins. He doesn't bring them back up again. He chooses to remember them no more. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Oh, don't you wish this next phrase wasn't in there? even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So again, all the sins that we've committed have all been washed away. God, as far as the east is from the west, uh, the deepest part of the sea, I mean, that's where they're cast. I mean, the Lord removes them, and He doesn't bring them back. He doesn't see us through those sins anymore. He sees us through the righteousness of Christ. Okay, but we're, so now, when it comes to us, and the, the times that we've been wronged, and the sins that have been committed against us, well, we're called here to forgive, but not just to forgive, but we're to forgive even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, as you think about the sins that have been committed against you, um, the wrongs, the that wasn't right, that wasn't fair, that wasn't just, that wasn't kind, and... All those things we're called to forgive them and to forgive them in such a way that we don't keep bringing them back up. I mean, we don't want God to bring them back up in our lives. Hey, remember that time when you were, you know, eight years old and you did this, that, and the other. God doesn't do that. So we shouldn't do that with the people that wronged us. We're to forgive, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Now, God here, ha, he, he has the ability to remember no more. You and I need to work at that. We need to exercise our minds to not keep bringing those things up. And when they do, forgive it again. When they do, forgive it again. Remember, Peter was like, How many times do we have to forgive you? Like seven times? Aren't I a check out my halo? You know? And Jesus says, No, I say unto you 70 times seven. And, in other words, keep forgiving. If somebody keeps doing something, keep forgiving. But that one thing that really bothered you that happened way back in the past, that has haunted you for, the re- for your whole life, keep forgiving that one thing. 490 times, and then just keep forgiving. Stop keeping track. Some of you are like, well, I've, I'm up to like 420, so they better be careful. Now, we've been forgiven, and I'm grateful that we have been. And as a result of that, because we have been forgiven, we need to then learn to be good forgivers. Forgivers in our marriage, forgivers with those who wronged us in the past. And and I know I may be speaking to people who've had some pretty terrible things happen to you in your past. Perhaps being abused in some way, shape, or form, and those are tough things, but But it doesn't say, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, unless you've been abused. And again, I don't want to make light of what you went through, but I think forgiveness, abuse, is part of that too. Okay, And so, we've been forgiven, to God be the glory, what a wonderful status that is. But as a result of that, now we need to learn to forgive those who've wronged us the same way that God has forgiven us. All right, so we are forgiven. Uh, We we have been sealed. I have a lot more here, but we are running out of time. We've been sealed. Verse number 13 of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1.13, "...in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, In whom also after that ye believed... Here's one of our statuses. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We were sealed. Okay. In the Bible days, there were several uses for a seal. We're not talking about the uh, the uh, the animal that swims around in the ocean. Okay. Um, we're talking about the seal that they used in those days. And what does it mean uh, that we are sealed? Well, first of all, there was a the word seal means authenticity. It was to authenticate or confirm as genuine and true. So when you saw that seal of a, of a king who used, who used his ring to kind of seal uh, a piece of hot wax on a letter or something like that, it, it, when you received it, you're like, whoa, this is the legit deal. I mean, the king put his ring on it. This is, this is definitely from the king. Okay, so it was to show authenticity. It was also to show ownership, to mark as one's property, and it also was used to uh, regarding security to make secure. Okay, so as it involves salvation and how the Spirit seals us, these three mentioned um, authenticity, ownership, and security um, all apply. The work of grace is certainly a work that is genuine. Okay, when the Holy Spirit seals us he's saying this was a legit thing, it's authentic, Um, they are indeed saved. And in Christ Jesus, our salvation is real. This is no uh, hoax, this is no fake news, this is legitimate reality. The Holy Spirit also uh, confirms, uh, as He seals us, confirms that it is true. And then we are identified by carrying the mark. See, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within each of us and as a result he's showing that we no longer belong to ourselves we belong to him um, because again we are our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit he dwells with inside and uh, he is the owner now okay so when you are marked you're also given the assurance by the earnest okay verse number 14 continues here with this thought of security which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Okay, Most of us have uh, put a down payment on something and basically it kind of secures the fact that you're going to follow through with this, the financial decision, such as buying a house. You have to put earnest money down in order to kind of get your foot in the door and kind of reserve it for you. And, and, and the Holy Spirit comes inside, and He's the, the down payment. He's our earnest. He's the earnest for our eternal redemption, for our eternal uh, salvation. Verse 14 again says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So one day, we're going to see the whole deal come through, but right now, He's the down payment in our life. And as God looks at us, he sees the Holy Spirit and says, "Oh yeah, that one now he doesn't say it this way, but this one belongs to me and he's going to spend eternity with me and I'm going to give him an inheritance because I've given him the Holy Spirit who is the um, who's the seal there all right so we've been sealed and uh, my friend, you are secure in the beloved um, it is, it's a done deal. It's, it's, it's as if it's reality, just in our time frame, it's not yet, uh, that we're going to be in, in glory. Um, but in God's mind, it's already a thing. All right, and Ephesians 4.30 continues this thought, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So we've been sealed. All right, uh, let me do one more, and then uh, we'll, we'll end here. I had so much more that I wanted to cover tonight, but uh, we, will, we will get there. We will get there next week. Um, I love this one, Ephesians 2.1. We have been made alive. We've been made alive. Verse 1 of chapter 2, "...and you hath he quickened," or made alive, "...who were dead in trespasses and sins." Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And here it is, verse number four and five. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. So we've been made alive. So somebody who is not a Christian is walking around as a living dead person, so to speak. Physically, they're alive, but spiritually, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. So they're zombies of sorts. (laughs) Do you believe in zombies? Pastor Johnson believes in zombies. Pass it on. Um, you know, here's, here's the thing. All of us, when we were uh, without Christ, uh, unsaved, that's, in a sense, what we were. Physically, we were alive, but, but, our, but our spirit, our soul, was, was dead because we were living in sin. But the moment we got saved was the same moment that we were made alive. And just as we're going to celebrate in just a couple weeks, which I can't wait for, Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, when we celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer dead in the grave, but that he is now alive. And that moment that that happened, that the glorious moment that, that, that the same thing happened for each of us the moment we got saved. So I didn't feel like that when I got saved doesn't matter where you felt like it or not. It's our status according to God's book. Okay, so not all of these things did you feel. And again, you can't, it's dangerous to base your Christianity on feelings and emotion. Not to say that there's no emotion that goes along with it. But when you base it on that, that's a terrible barometer. So we base it on the scriptures. We base it on the truth of God's word. And God's word says the moment you were saved is the moment you were made alive in Christ in the book of Colossians uh, we were studying um, we just finished last Sunday night in Colossians we learned that we are risen with Christ so just as Christ was risen from the grave the moment you got I got saved we are also risen with Christ and Uh, I'm thankful for that truth. So we have been made alive. There's many more that we'll look at next week uh, as we continue on through this. But thanks for listening. Thanks for um, being patient as we get through this. Um, But these are wonderful truths. And uh, as Peter said, exceeding great and precious promises. They really are exceeding great, and they really are precious. And I hope they are to you. And uh, these, are, these are the promises that, that are true about us, uh, our identity in Christ, our, our new status in Christ. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll look at some uh, prayer requests here uh, tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, just these uh, so many uh, wonderful uh, blessings and so many promises regarding our, our new status in Christ that we've looked at tonight. And I didn't even get through the whole list and, and my list is not even conclusive. It's, it's, it's not the whole list. It's not exhaustive. There's still so many other uh, aspects of, of what, who we are in Christ the moment we got saved. And Lord, we just I can't thank you enough for uh, that blessing of salvation. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand it more, help us to appreciate it more, help us to want to share it more, With those around us. Help us to live as though these things are true in our lives rather than feeling so defeated and bummed out about life. Help us, Lord, instead to realize that we have the victory. And even when things aren't going our way, to still understand these truths are still reality. And uh, Lord, thank you for um, the price that you paid on the cross of Calvary. Uh, to make all of this possible, and for your abundant grace and mercy. Lord, we didn't deserve any of this, obviously, but Lord, we just say thank you. God, help us to live in such a way that we uh, give you thanks for these uh, exceeding great and precious promises. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.